Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana wa zidna ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen amma ba'd So we're continuing with, uh, with our reflections on Surah Taha uh, We left off at verse number 9 uh, Surah Taha is the 20th chapter and we're on verse number nine. If you don't have a copy of the, the, the Quran or like the translation, you can even go on your phone, Quran.com and Surah Taha, verse number nine. Okay. Uh, also, can I have one person volunteer to read? So I'll ask you to read a specific verse and if someone can volunteer to read, anyone? Yeah, you can read loud? You got me? All right, perfect. Okay, let's get started. So let's quickly recap what we were talking about. Last week we were talking about Surah Taha. We were talking about the context into which the Surah was revealed. Surah Taha was revealed in the Meccan period around the fourth year of Hijrah, uh, of prophethood. The fourth year after the Prophet ﷺ was informed of his nubuwa, of his prophethood. The, uh, the times, the circumstances into which the surah was revealed were very tough times. Muslims were being persecuted. It was difficult for them to practice their religion openly. They were going through a lot. And so Allah revealed Surah Taha. Essentially, Surah Taha was a comfort to the Prophet And that's why we talked about verse number, I believe it's number two. When Allah says, we did not reveal the Qur'an upon you to cause distress. لِتَشْقَى And so the Prophet ﷺ is being comforted. The Qur'an and this religion that we're sending to you, yes, it has made your life a bit more difficult. A bit difficult, yes. But that's not the intention. That's not the reason why Allah is revealing this Qur'an to you. This is not why Allah has given us religion. It's not for life to be difficult. You may experience difficulty, but the objective is that you fulfill the purpose you have in your life. And that's a huge thing. Because there's so many people who struggle with this question, what's the purpose of life? And for Allah to reveal the Qur'an and give us that clear cut in the Qur'an, why are you here? You're here to serve God. That's a blessing. It's a huge blessing. And all the difficulties that that comes with, it's worth it. Okay, after that, we went through some verses where Allah Ta'ala speaks about His own greatness. The next, I think, about seven verses, Allah is speaking about how great He is. And this is interesting, because if the surah, if the surah is about comforting the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims, what does telling the Muslims and reminding them of who Allah is what does that do to comfort them? Do you understand my question? I mean, we do it sometimes. 
When someone's going through something difficult in life, what do we do often? We remind them of? Of Allah. Right? We remind them of Allah. We ask them to zoom out a bit and to see the whole situation. And so at the end of the, 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 the eighth verse, what does Allah say? Allahu la ilaha illahu lahu al-asma'ul husna. For him are beautiful names. Like, you want to be comforted in life? Learn Allah's beautiful names. Because that will tell you about who sent that difficulty your way. You get it? We've been talking about the 99 names for over a year. And I don't know how many times you experienced that whilst we were discussing those names. Moments where you were kind of like, wow, I'm dealing with uh, the most amazing Lord. Not just Allah, this abstract being, concept. No, a very personal Allah. A compassionate, a merciful Allah. Like that's important to remember that. That's, that offers comfort to a person, right? Like Allah is Al-Kareem. The most generous. To remind someone of that. Now, l- let me share something with you. You know uh, Ustad Abdurrahman Murphy, out in Roots? So, he, he talks about his mother. His mother would tell him something when he was growing up. His mother would tell him, even on the days that you miss Fajr, make sure that you thank Allah for the day. Even if you, miss, if you, even if you wake up in the morning and you miss Fajr, make sure that you thank Allah for the day ahead. Because think about it. You did not fulfill your duty to Allah and He gave you a beautiful day. How often does that happen? You have a beautiful day. And at the beginning, what did you do? You slept through Fajr. It's crazy. Put, let's, let's, let's put it in context. How many of you enjoy your jobs? <coughs> Nobody? Nobody? Yeah? Hands up? Anybody? It's okay. We're not gonna. Well, all, everyone say mashallah. You see someone with a hand up, huh? Or Allahumma barik, if that's the way you roll. Um, you get what I'm saying? Okay, think about it. A lot of people, like you know, there are people who enjoy their jobs and who are loyal. They're like, no, I could, if I even get a higher offer somewhere else, I won't go. I love the culture at my at my workplace, or I love my supervisor is so understanding, or my boss she's so accommodating, whatever. We feel indebted. So, so many people feel indebted to their workplace. But let's be real. If you stop showing up, you're not getting paid. Because you're just a number. You stop producing results, you're gone. Someone else comes in. Do you understand? You stop fulfilling your duties, and they're not going to pay you nothing. They're not going to give you nothing. And despite that, we feel so attached. Imagine, we wake up in the morning, we totally neglect our duty to Allah, we sleep through Fajr, and then Allah gives us a beautiful breakfast, a warm, safe house. We're able to go comfortably, drive our car, grab our coffee, and we get to the workplace and we're able to have a day at work, go to the gym, this, that, all of that. Even though we didn't do our part, Allah continued to give us. Do you understand? That is the Al-Kareem that we must not forget. 
the most generous. When we neglect, you know, for how many of us, how long has it been we haven't prayed a Fajr? It's Fajr after Fajr we're missing. And Allah continues to give us. He continues to, and I'm just giving obvious blessings. You know, I was driving here. I don't know if any of you saw it on Franklin, if it was still there. There was a car in an accident. Did you guys see that in the, in the, in the roundabout? Was it gone by then? Around 6.30 there was a car, and I, and I passed by it. And we're taught to make dua when we see someone who's in a misfortune. Alhamdulillah, I'll praise this to God who, who saved me from what that person's been afflicted with. Because it doesn't matter how good of a have you ever thought about this? It doesn't matter how good of a driver you are. If somebody else is a terrible driver, there's nothing you can do. You can try and dodge them, but for how long? Right? If they're drunk, what are you going to do? doesn't matter how good and how much you're following the speed limit. Boom. If, it's crazy to think about like, you have to trust everybody on the roads. That everybody's going to be responsible. And Allah takes us from point A to point B over and over again. And we never think twice about it. Do you get it? Al-Kareem. To remind people of God is to comfort them. And so Allah in those verses reminds the Prophet ﷺ, O Prophet of Allah, it seems like the world is against you. But you have the creator of the worlds on your side. So you don't give up. So you don't give up. And the believers are taught this. Do you understand? Then Allah Ta'ala turns to the story of Musa And the story of Musa in Surah Taha is very, very prominent. From the, I think it's 135 verses, 90 verses are about Musa Okay, one question we ask, why is Allah telling the Prophet about Musa Why? Any ideas why you, he would tell him about a prophet who lived a long time before him, a different era, even had different commands and rulings? Why tell the Prophet وسلم, about that Prophet, Prophet Musa Why? Any ideas? For the audience. Sorry? For the audience. For the audience. Okay. Okay, so you're us. No, of the time. Of the time. Okay. Why tell them? Proved something to them. Okay, well, like what? Yeah, who, who had their hand up here? Yeah. Me? I thought you had your hand up. Yeah. Um, because most people were, like, they were being severely oppressed. Right. The similarities. The similarities in the experience of the people of Musa and the people of the Prophet, the Sahaba. The experience of the Prophet Musa. And the experience of the Prophet were similar. Even though the eras were totally different. But there's a universal human experience. Do you get that? That's why we can still relate to the seerah. When you read the seerah, you think about it and you go, wait, like, things were so different back then. True. But the universal human experience of difficulty and, and you know, slander and people boycotting you, that still happens. Doesn't matter how sophisticated you become, these human tendencies continue to manifest themselves. Do you get where I'm coming from? And so, think about it. Have you ever done this? Someone came to you with a problem that they're going through in life. And then you told them about somebody you knew that went through the same thing. Have you ever done that? 
So someone comes and like, yo, this happened to me, um, and it's terrible. And you're like, oh yeah? Oh no, actually I heard about somebody, same thing happened to them. But guess what? It worked out in the end. <coughs> Do you guys get what I'm talking about? You tell them the same thing that you know about, but it worked out in the end. And you're trying to encourage them that, listen, I know it seems terrible, but for somebody who went through the same thing like you, it worked out. So inshallah, it'll work out for you too. Do you, we do that, right? I mean, hopefully you didn't like, tell them some bad ending, right? Oh, that happened to somebody else, but they died. And you're like, oh, don't do that, right? No, so we tell people when it's like, it's a, it's a good ending. Right? It's like, oh yeah, that person, they, they had that disease too. But subhanAllah, Allah cured them. Right? Allah cured them. It's, and we tell people that. To encourage them, to, so they don't give up hope. The Prophet ﷺ is being told about the Prophet Musa ﷺ. That listen, O Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, people and prophets before you, they went through difficulties too. But they got through it. And look how Allah helped them. In this surah, Allah will talk about how He helps the Prophet Musa and how He helps the people of Musa And that's a reassurance to the Prophet and to the followers of the Prophet Now think about that. If the stories of the Prophets, the Prophet had the strongest of Iman, the strongest of faith, and there were still times where he would be worried about his, his, his ummah, right? There were, there were moments where he would be making dua, Oh Allah, if these people are destroyed, there will be nobody to worship you on the face of this earth. In the, you know, on the night of Badr, this is the dua he was making. If somebody with iman like him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, could experience such anxiety and, and stress, obviously you and I can go through that, number one. And then for him to be comforted through these stories, can't we be comforted through them? Can't we be comforted through them? These stories are so powerful, they could comfort a prophet. But they can't comfort you and me. That's why we got to teach our kids these stories. That's why we teach our kids these stories. So that as they grow up, they realize that these things you know, good things don't just happen to good people. And bad things don't just happen to bad people. Bad things can happen to good people as well. Because they happen to the best of creation, the prophets. Do you understand? And in each prophet, you'll notice Allah in each prophet gives a different difficulty. So that you can relate to some prophet in your difficulty. You have jealousy in your family, you have the prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. You have somebody who's oppressive and a tyrant, you have the Prophet Musa alayhi salam. You have, you have people around you who are just materialistic, you have the Prophet Shu'ayb alayhi salam. Do you understand? With each Prophet, you have different experiences, different difficulties they went through. And we take comfort in that, just like the Prophet took comfort in it. There's another lesson to learn from this. From Allah telling the Prophet about previous nations. And this is an important one. I want you guys to like think about this. There's much to learn in generational wisdom. And I know some of us don't want to hear that. You understand what I'm talking about? Generational wisdom. Stuff that's passed down from generation to generation. Advice about how to do things. Look, I get it. It's not all correct. There's a lot of bogus stuff in there. 
but some fundamental facts of life, we can learn from our elders, from those who are senior. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you don't have to accept it uncritically, that's not what I'm saying. But we shouldn't completely abandon it, just because, yeah, they're old, they didn't grow up here, they have no idea. But they're humans, and they went through the human experience. They can understand certain things about life that maybe, just maybe, we won't, we won't understand. I know, I know, some of us don't want to hear that. It's like, no, don't say that, don't say that. Like, we want to do our thing, they don't understand. But in the absence of generational wisdom, do you know how hard life is now? Because if we don't accept generational wisdom, we got to figure it all out ourselves. We want to take no guidance from them, from their experiences at all. we got to start from scratch, and that's not easy. Think about it. Imagine trying to find your partner for marriage all by yourself. Dude, you've never been married. You have no idea, you have no past experience that can enable you to figure out what marriage life is like. It's all a guess. It's all theory. Do you get where I'm coming from here? So we're trying to like, think about that. You're just trying to go into it blind. And like, I think I know what I'm looking for. On what basis do you know what you're looking for? You weren't married before. So on what basis do you know what to look for? And for many people, it's theory. There's very few people I've met who can say, after they've been married, it was exactly what they expected before marriage. Do you know what I'm saying? People go into marriage. Why is Nadia smiling right here? Right? Exactly, you know what I'm talking about. You go into marriage with a very specific understanding. This is how it's going to be. This is how we're going to live. And then, and then you really get to know the person. You fall deeply in love. And all that's out the door. Tuesdays and Wednesdays is my day to take out the garbage. Dude, you take it out every day. You're deeply in love. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you can't predict that. You can't. Because you, you haven't been married before. So you have no idea what it's like. Do you get what I'm saying? In the past, generational wisdom could give you some guidance on, on what to expect. But we've abandoned that. And so we're kind of left to our own vices to just figure it out. And it's not easy. I'm just, I'm just saying it, right? What we learn from the Qur'an is, yes, people before us may have lived in different times. But the human experience and certain experiences are universal. And we can learn from them. Do you get that idea? Do you see the point I'm trying to make here? So we shouldn't completely abandon this idea. Yes, be, be critical about it, but don't, don't abandon it just because they're old and they don't, they don't understand, or they don't speak English. They don't speak English. Trust me, man. Some elders, they can drop some wisdom, mashallah, if you, if you sit with them. All right. Now, let's, uh, let's start with verse number Nine. What does verse number nine say? وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى The translation is? Harun. Translation? Has the story of Moses reached you, O Prophet? Yeah, has the story of Moses reached you, O Prophet? He's addressing the Prophet saying, has the story of Moses reached you? Why would you do that? Why would Allah ask the Prophet has the story of Moses reached you? 
has the story of Musa السلام, reached you? Well, one, one reason is to draw his attention. That now I'm going to tell you about the story of Musa السلام. Do you know we do that sometimes, right? You meet somebody and you go, do you hear what happened on Saturday? And all of a sudden what happened? Everyone's doing, what? <laughs> right? Hold on. Let me get some popcorn. Let's hear this. Do you get what I'm saying? The Prophet is being told, have you heard what happened to Musa? Have you heard the story of Musa? And then Allah goes on to tell him, Yeah, Harun, go ahead. It's amazing, man. Harun, you're the perfect guy to read. Your name's Harun. Beautiful. That's the brother of Musa. Perfect. Go for it. When he saw fire, he said to him, Wait here, for I spotted fire. Perhaps I can bring you a torch from it. I'll find some guidance in the fire. Yes, beautiful. So, there's some background that we got to be aware of. There's a long, obviously, the story of Musa is quite long. And I'm not going to narrate it from the very beginning. But it's, it's really incredible. <coughs> and you could, we could sit and do a whole series on lessons from the life of the Prophet Musa. But I'm going to assume some background knowledge here. Um, and even if you don't get it fully, don't worry. The point should be somewhat clear. The Prophet Musa, when he was in Egypt, he, he by accident, he killed a Coptic. This is, uh, by accident, he was so powerful, he just hit him, and boom, he was so powerful that he knocked him down and out, dead. So obviously, the authorities were like, this guy's a murderer. So he fled, and he fled out to the desert. He eventually ended up in Median, he married a woman there. You know, there's a whole famous story about him getting water from the well for two women. Um, and then ultimately, he ends up in Median, serving Serving his father-in-law. That's, that's, that's a deep one right there. He, he served about 10 years. 10 years. He stayed there and he served the family. And then by that time, things had kind of calmed down in Egypt. So he started to head back to Egypt. This ayah here is talking about when he's on his way back to Egypt. And he gets lost. And it's nighttime, And he takes a specific path. Because he was trying to avoid a certain group of people in Sham, in Syria. And so, it's the middle of the night, he's lost, and he's with his family. Some narrations, uh, we know for sure his wife was with him. Some narrations mentioned there was like a servant with him too. And so he's looking around, he's trying to find something to guide him. <clears throat> so in the distance, he sees a fire. <inaudible> when he saw a fire. This is the part of the story that Allah wants to tell the Prophet When he saw a fire, So he said to his family, Stay here. He told them, just remain here. I've seen a fire, and I'm going to go. Maybe I can bring some fire back. Because he was trying to strike up a fire there, where he was, and he couldn't do it. He was struggling. This is all part of Allah's plan. Right? So he's like, okay, I'm gonna go up on the mountain, I'm gonna get some of the fire, I'll take like a you know like a branch, I'll light a fire, I'll bring it back here and we can have our own fire. So either I go up there and I bring back a fire, or maybe there's humans up there, and they can kind of guide us on how to get to Egypt. Maybe we can find someone to guide us. Well he found a whole different type of guidance. Because when he goes up there, he ultimately has a conversation with Allah. The, the next few
few verses will talk about the Prophet Musa alayhi salam having a conversation with Allah. That's when he's first discovering that he's a prophet. That Allah is telling him he's a prophet. It's at this moment he's discovering it when he goes on the mountain. Okay, there's a few points here. One point you want to think about. Allah Ta'ala could have started the story when he's telling the Prophet he could have started the story about Mu of Musa where? What's the most important part? When he, when he got to the fire and he met Allah. And he had a conversation with Allah. What could be more important than that? Yet Allah starts the story where? When he's with his family. Why? Nothing in the Quran is coincidental. Nothing is an accident in the Quran. Everything has purpose. What do we notice? We notice that before he goes and he takes on this responsibility of religion, of being a prophet and propagating the mission, he takes care of his family. He looks after his family. What does that teach us? Your religiosity and your religious practice should not lead to an abandonment of your family, for a, to a neglect of your family. The Prophet Musa, think about it. Allah could have just, you know, who cares about that part? No, Allah mentioned specifically, look, he looks, he looks after his family. He says, listen, stay here. It's a mountain, it's the middle of the night, it's hard to climb up, stay here. I've seen some fire. Look, he even explains. Let me talk about this side right here. He even explains. He doesn't just like walk off. Where are you going? Don't worry about it, shut the door. No, no, communication. Let's be real here. Because some of us are like, I don't want to be questioned. It's not a matter of being questioned. It's a matter of putting someone at ease. They know where you are. Because you're not Superman. Something can happen to you. You understand what I'm trying to say here? The Prophet Musa explains, listen, that's where I'm going. I'm going to that fire over there. And here's why I'm going. I'm going because I see fire and I'm going to bring it back here. Or we might find someone who can guide us. He explains why he's going. Now, I'm not accountable to my wife. I get you. But it's, it's a partnership now. You're not, you're not the person you were before marriage where you could just do what you want whenever you want it. Someone is now committed to living with you. And so we have to be mature enough to communicate what we're doing and why we're doing it. No, she should just get it. Bro, we don't get half of what they say and what they're doing. You understand? If we can communicate, we communicate it. Do you understand my point here? That's what he does. The Prophet Musa that's what he does. And he goes. Now, let's, let's, let's go forward, inshallah, and see, what, see what, uh, what Allah mentions here. The next ayah, that's going to be verse number 11. When he approached it, he called. He was called. Tnudia, right. That's passive.